0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Podcast. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm recording this podcast, or editing it, I should say, on a Sunday night. I just got back. From hanging my trail cameras for the year I got about seven trail cameras out and they're over top of the mineral stations that I put out uh, last month and there's a lot of deer sign at these mineral stations I jumped a few deer while I was doing my little routine today and I tell you right now I am jacked for this season I don't know what it is I have a I have a good feeling about what's gonna happen this uh, year not necessarily about shooting a really big buck but you know like just being able to get out there and enjoy it and just spend some time enjoying what I what I'm what I'm passionate about and that's uh whitetail hunting right so or hunting in general specifically bow hunting so you know this is the time of year where you know I got the trail cameras out now and in about three, four weeks, I'll probably go out and check those trail cameras. And I will see what what's on them. Hopefully, good things. Hopefully, I got some returning customers. There are about two or three bucks that I would really, really like to see uh, what they blossomed into this uh, year. Because uh, uh, last year I had some dandy three-year-olds that uh, I'm glad I didn't run into. You know, you have those uh, those deer that you that you you catch them on trail camera you know they're in the area and then but they're three year olds like or 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 they're young if if you're the type of person who you know like bases their um i guess their hit list on age right so i have some deer this year if they're still around if they didn't get shot if they made it through the winter or whatever if they didn't relocate um, i have some three-year-olds that will be four-year-olds this year that uh, could be pretty impressive and uh, i am definitely definitely excited to check my trail cameras in the next couple weeks now today's podcast man we are talking again with our good buddy justin Zar. From Bowhunting.com, and today we are going to be talking about selling out—the art of selling out—and not really though. Um, The reason I'm saying that is because I posted a picture on Instagram a while back of our new partner on the podcast, Prime, and what somebody made a comment saying, "Okay, oh now you're you're just doing—you know—you're you're doing for the highest bidder." You know, you're you're promoting whoever the highest bidder is now, and they didn't even know the backstory. So they're, they're you know, without saying it, they accused me of selling out. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast about that, and that's what today's podcast is about. Me and Justin talk about the business uh, of. Selling advertising slots on our platforms. We talk about um, people saying that we're sellouts. We talk about how to, you know, how companies go about switching um, sponsorships or partnerships or whatever. Uh, it's Just kind of a different level to this whole thing that I'm doing and, and what uh, and what Justin's doing as well. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty different than all the. Other information that you've heard about, you know, most of the information is, hey, how do you start a blog or a podcast or whatever? But this is a little bit of a kind of an insider's podcast, uh, so to speak, and uh, yeah, so that's what today's podcast is about. Now, today's commercial, we're going is I don't know why I'm laughing because I do I really don't know what to say about Ripcord Airrest, man. I've I've had this, I've had this rest on every one of my bows for the last God knows how many years. It has yet to fail me. Um, I didn't even need a new rest, but I got a new rest, you know, because they send me one, right? So I uh, I put in a new rest. My old rest is on a bow that I recently just g- gave away to a non-hunter. Um, one of my wife's friends' husbands uh, mentioned something about Wanting to get into bow hunting. And I said, hey man, if you're serious about it, I will give you uh, my old bow. So I gave him my old elite. I put a rest on it. So he has a rest. And so the only thing he had to do was get a sight and get some arrows made up. And I'm telling you, I I think I just helped out hunter recruitment. So hopefully this guy um, goes out, uses it, and... I, I'd love to, you know, it would be awesome. He lives in Ohio, so I would love to go to Ohio and actually just hunt some public ground with him. I think that would be really, really fun. So I don't even know where I would go, where I was going with that, but oh, Ripcord, right? So that was, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but Ripcord, man, made in America, right? Just a kick ass company that makes kick ass products. Um, and it's uh, veteran owned. So uh, just aside from the product, right? If you call them, someone will answer more than likely, it's going to be the owner of the company and they will take care of your problem right then and there. Uh, it's again, just a great product. It has yet to fail me. Um, so please go check out ripcord and, or just Google ripcord arrow rests. And, uh, take a look through all of the different products that they have to offer they have some limb driven and they have some cable driven systems pick the one that is right for you and uh make a purchase and yeah so i think i've talked too much already today hopefully everybody enjoys this monday and hopefully if you if you're not enjoying mondays then this podcast will lighten it you know make it not as shitty, so to speak. So without further ado, let's get into today, to today's podcast with Justin Czar. All right. Back by popular demand, Mr. Justin Czar. How you doing, bud?
1: I'm good, man. How are you? You know, you know. it's been like two months, I think, since we did this last. Has it really been like that long?
0: Well, we've had to, I know we've had to cancel a couple times. I know I've been busy. I know you've been super busy and, uh, yeah it just now it's finally working out here we are here we are Back ready to have a
1: i think this is going to be a fun one tonight
0: i know i i think so too now here's the funny part it, about this i've had multiple people reach out to me and say hey man you got to do another podcast with justin czar because i like it so people are actually liking our conversations
1: uh i told those three people to do that <laughs> was one so that of them I your could- mom it was actually
0: oh that's funny and uh, we got a really good topic tonight we're going to talk about selling out in the hunting industry okay sure we're going to talk a little bit about the business aspect of it Uh, and uh, man I just like it's almost endless because I I have I have content to talk you know I have things to talk to you about on from both sides you know, uh, from the content consumer to the person like myself and like you who have to, you know, we have bills to pay. We, we have advertising dollars coming in um, and, you know, brands. And then it's like when you change them, whatever, we're going to we're going to talk all about that. But I have the first sure. question I have for you is of all your kids toys, which toys do you hate the most?
1: Oh, oh, man. Play-Doh. If Plato could be banished from the Earth forever, I'd be a happy guy. Yeah, dude. By far, one thousand percent Plato.
0: I forgot about that. I almost want to change my answer, <laughs> but because the other day my, my daughter brought uh, Plato into the um, into the living room and it's carpeted. And instead of picking it up, I just waited for it to dry and then ran over it with the, so it took, I don't know, it was there <laughs> for like five days, like in, just smashed into the carpet. And then I just waited till it dried, you know, took my shoe and kind of rubbed, rubbed it so it kind of came apart and then finally just vacuumed it up.
1: That's pretty smart. I would love to just sneak into my little cabinet where all the Play-Doh is one night and throw it all away and just tell the kids I don't know what happened to it. Like, I, I don't know what happened. Somebody broke into the house and stole it all. Sorry.
0: Uh, the elf on the shelf came in said you're being naughty.
1: Yeah. That's one thing we haven't done yet. I, I just don't think that I have the dedication to move the stupid thing every day.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: Nor am I creative enough to, like, put it in funny poses and snap photos for Facebook. So we've just kind of skirted around the elf on the shelf.
0: Yeah. My daughter, we put it up, what, two years ago. Eh, Maybe it worked a little. This year, she's like, Dad, that's just a doll. And dolls can't travel back and forth to see Santa. So she's, like, using this logic that a toy can't actually communicate with a (laughs) <laughs> like this bean that lives on the in, in the North Pole, which so so this toy the 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 magic that this toy has isn't real, but Santa Claus is real.
1: Oh, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Right. Good logic.
0: Right. So I don't know. So do what
1: you, were you? What were you going to say? What was your yeah, toy before yeah. Play-Doh?
0: So I don't know. Okay. So you, how old is your daughter? She is almost four now. She's almost four. Okay. Yeah. So. Do you have any experience with a toy brand called Shopkins? Oh,
1: yeah. They're evil, too. man. I don't necessarily mind the Shopkins, except for some of them are so
0: small, I'm afraid my
1: littlest child is going to eat them. Yes. That is really why I don't like Shopkins.
0: And, okay, so uh, on her fifth birthday, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven grandparents, all right? And four out of the seven of them gave her Shopkins. And, dude, when she plays with them, there are Shopkin parts all over the place, and they never get picked up. So, I told her, I'm just like, hey, man, I'm gonna vacuum them up, and I'm gonna sweep them up if you don't pick them up. And it's like walking. Those are the ones that, when I'm walking to get a bottle in the middle of the night so I can calm it's two thirty in the morning and I'm having to calm down my eight month old uh I'm walking to get a, a formula bottle ready and I turn around and I walk back and I step on all these shopkins parts and uh it just like really <laughs> pisses me off
1: <laughs> I think somebody bought my daughter like some sort of case to keep them all in but it, she doesn't actually use it. They're right. just everywhere. Yeah. So we've we've just taken to like getting these I don't know little cloth bins that kind of go in like an organizer thing, yeah. and I just scoop everything up and throw it in random bins. Right. And sometimes in the garbage as well. So yeah, Shopkins suck too. I don't even understand what they are or what you're supposed to do with them. Right. They're just toys
0: or yeah. food. They're fake know. food collectibles. Th- basically, yeah. you got it. It comes with a piece of paper. So they are
1: they like beanie than modern day beanie baby?
0: Is yes, on a is? on a different scale, but yes, you got to collect all of them to win. And uh. then there's like different little levels, like oh, I got this ultra one. Oh, there's one there's one higher up called the ultra rare. That's the one that uh, oh. she wanted. I remember I bought her a packet. It's like three bucks. You know, I'm I'm standing in Target. I buy her this little packet, and it, it they call it a blind bag. And so I pick it up. She, she was good that day. I hand it to her. She opens it up when we get into the car, looks at the toy, looks at the piece of paper, and goes, I didn't want this one. Just kind of like set it to the side, and it was literally never touched again. <laughs> That's
1: the best, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? It kind of kind of reminds me of the old South Park episode with <laughs> Chimpokomon. Where... They were, like, parody, making a parody of Pokemon. got to right. catch them all. That's like that's what it reminds me of.
0: Right, right. Oh, freaking toys, dude. Man, I don't know. Yep. I don't They're know. just a
1: sinkhole for money. That's right.
0: Well, you got trail Let's cameras talk about, out yet?
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Have I checked them? No.
0: Oh, man. I'm so, doing that this uh, Sunday.
1: Yeah, I don't know when the last time I actually checked them trail camera was it's been a couple months at least I'm talking about getting them out uh I got a couple out they're just kind of out because they've been out since the winter time (laughs) 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 not because I put them there this summer so most of them are probably you know four foot tall weeds in front of them and whatnot so it's about time to start moving them around a little bit I got a couple cell cameras that are out so I, I mean I get pictures on those there's nothing really too exciting happening They must be in areas that only does and fawns like to be right now. So they need to get moved around. But yeah, uh, yeah, really, uh, I think after the 4th of July weekend is when my trail camming usually starts to to pick up.
0: Yeah, that's typically what I hear. I got to get out this Sunday. I already dumped my mineral out uh, like a month ago. And then uh, now I got to go out and get the cameras out in front of them. And hopefully I can uh, start running into some you know wait another month so mid july about this time oh mid july late july probably right before august i'll check them once and then i'll check them again uh uh, probably late august september 1st just to just so i can maybe make that rotation from uh summer the summer range to actually putting them into position like pinch points and all that stuff to uh, get them ready for the season but man I i don't know what it is about trail cameras it's like Other than shed hunting and actually hunting, dude, checking trail cameras is right up there.
1: Oh, it is. It definitely is. I used to be, like, I I think I've been cyclical in my trail camera nature. I used to, you know, back in the day, you really had no way to check them out in the field, Mm -hmm. right? So you'd have to bring them all home and check them. And then I kind of graduated to, like, I'd bring a laptop and I'd check them in my truck when I got back to the truck. And then it was like... You know, in the field, you could check them right there with a card reader. And I've kind of come full circle to where now I just go pull all my cards, put them in a camera case, go home, sit down, drink a beer and go through all of them. And it's kind of like a routine. And I enjoy doing that. I'm not so anxious. Like when I pull that card to see what's on it right that second, if I get to it later today, like all in due time, kind of building that anticipation.
0: Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely, that's pretty much the same way. Uh, same way I am as well. All right, I think we should start the actual main part of this podcast. Probably,
1: people are probably bored of listening yeah. to us talk yeah. at this point, so we should probably talk about something more interesting than Shopkins and
0: <laughs> trail cameras. Have you? Are you a sellout?
1: Uh, sure, I guess. I'm sure there's some people that would call me that. All right. I think anybody that. Um, either gets money or free product in the hunting industry for doing something could probably be considered a sellout to a certain, certain degree, depending on, you know, what you want to consider being a sellout. Sure. Yeah. Why not?
0: So unfortunately
1: selling out isn't as glamorous as
0: I thought it was going (laughs) to (laughs) be. I love that. I love that quote. Okay. So here's how this came up, right? So I posted a picture Uh, I changed Bo Bo sponsors uh, or partners or whatever you want to call them uh, this year advertising for the Nine Finger Chronicles. And it was Gearhead, and now it's Prime. So I posted a picture of the the brand-new box coming in, and I said, trying something different this year. That's almost exactly what the uh, uh, Instagram uh, quote said. And it was like – so, like, I was getting blown up. Uh, on, on that comments, like I had multiple comments, uh, on, on that face, on that, uh, Instagram page saying, oh, you're, you know, like, oh, so now it's to whoever the highest bidder is. And, yes. you know, well, that's man, there... one of
1: my favorites. I wrote that down on my little note sh-
0: note sheet. Right. Right. So some guy was like, uh, who doesn't know the story at all. Uh, it, you know, it's calling me a sellout basically because I changed bow partners and you know there was multiple, you know there was multiple other comments that either hinted to it or directly said it, and that just kind of it, it it pissed me off because I, I think I need to get a th- a little bit thicker skin because this is um, like some of the first times I've ever had to deal with that. But when someone calls me a sellout, I get a little bit pissed off because I. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like I'm a hypocrite because I've I've called people sellouts before, straight up. Sure. And and now here I am working in that same industry, not at the same level, but you know, in, in the same way, roughly, where companies give me money and I promote their products on the Nine Finger Chronicles, right? Correct. And that's probably the same you know, the same with you and bow, bowhunting.com, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first, you know, there's just so many misconceptions about the way that this works. And I, and I guess, you know, as a young person before I, I worked doing this, you know, I, I held a lot of those same misconceptions, right? Cause you kind of just don't know any better. Um, you know, and when you step back and look at it, or you talk to somebody that's been doing it a while and, kind of get the real information you know things start making a lot more sense uh and then maybe your opinion changes on whether or not somebody is a quote-unquote sellout right? right um so i kind of made a list of like some of the things that we hear you know when whether it's if we you know change a partner or something changes on our end or you know i'm active socially with other brands and i see what other people are saying whether it's you or anyone else i see people being like oh you a sellout right, right so right. um you know i think what the biggest misconception is the one that you really let off with which is you know the, the highest bidder thing right there's right. this there's this weird misconception out there that like if you're uh, a person in the hunting industry you're me or you're you that there's some somehow a a line of of companies that are waving checks at you And they're like, hey, man, like, I want to I want to give you money.
0: I wish that was the case.
1: Use my product. (laughs) And you're like, well, you know, you're only going to give me so much. And, you know, the next guy over there is going to give me more. And even though uh, I don't like his product and it's junk, it doesn't matter. I'm going to use his product because he's paying me more. Right. Right. And then it's all about the money. Right. Right. I mean, which is couldn't really be further from from the truth. Yeah. Um, Does money make the world go round? Sure.
0: Yep. I apologize, but we had to fight some technical issues, but I'm going to take this moment to whore out and let you know that Exodus Trail Cameras has a 30% discount on the Trek Trail Camera until the 27th of this month, and all you have to do is enter the discount code 9FC30 and you will receive 30% off your Trek Trail Camera. No man, it's and I'm I'm relatively new to this, right? Because back in the day when I was working for another company, uh I was doing a lot of the the talking with the with the partners or with the the sponsors, but the price was kind of already there, right? Now, for Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation, I have to do all that calculating myself, right? Where I have to calculate, okay, I get this many impressions and, or downloads or views or likes or clicks or whatever. I have to coagulate that and then I have to turn it into basically a media kit and I hand it out and I have to associate a price with that and uh, sometimes that can be hard to do. Um, Sometimes people like... For me, it was it was hard to do, right? So, um, and that's just like before you can even get money from a company, you have to do that. You have to value what it is that you're selling, uh, that advertising slot and whatnot. So that's, sure. that's the, the first thing that I had to do. But I, I just kind of want to tell this story real quick um, of the whole Bo situation. So GearHead, which I, I will say right now, is still an awesome bow. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to go shoot a gearhead uh, bow, dude, go go do it. Who knows? It's a unique bow. You might like it. So the second bow that I've always, you know, had this interest in was prime. So I was trying to renegotiate with gearhead. And gearhead, uh, you know, through some negotiation, um, I, you know, obviously I had more downloads. I had more Clicks and likes and shares and whatever in 2017, so my price went up a little bit. Uh, for you know the bigger audience, the more you can charge, and you know I was I you know I wanted to work with them, but Gearhead said, you know, I don't think this is a good fit for us. We're going to try to put a lot of our uh, attention into the target archery market, and they said that they they were the ones who terminated the the partnership. So. I reached out to Prime, you know, a little while later, and said, "Hey, is there anything, any other, anything else that we could do?" I mean, I know it's late in the game, but whatever. And they said, "Yeah, we, you know, I'll give, we'll give you a free bow, and uh, you can give us a, a partnership." So we worked. We negotiated some terms. So it wasn't like, so, so when someone, not knowing any of the backstory, then calls calls someone a sellout that's when it that's when it pisses me off a little bit which i wish i i wish i would have sold out more to get more money because i could do more things but you know i decided to go with a company that makes a really good bow that fits me right i really like that i really like that brand i really like their bow and um for the most part it's the bow now for you and this is this is kind of a loaded question, and I don't I don't want it to be a loaded question, but it's kind of a loaded question. You guys are on a completely different scale than me, right? Bowhunting.com is way above where Nine Finger Chronicles and Sportsman's Nation is from the from the content or from the, the viewership, right? The listens, the likes, the downloads. You guys are you I, you dwarf me, right? Or I I whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yep. So when it comes time to make a change in advertising, how, how do you guys approach that? Because not a lot of companies can afford that kind of level of exposure. Sure.
1: Sure. Uh, well, I mean, to be honest with you, we we don't like to make change (laughs) and we've been very fortunate in the, I want to say, eight years now that we've been selling advertising on our platforms that we haven't had to make a lot of changes. You know, I think that, you know, for all parties involved, whether it's us or the the partners that we're working with, it's beneficial to have these long term relationships, right? Because we do to a certain degree, get very heavily invested in their brand, in their product, in their reputation in our reputation. Um, And when there's a, a parting of ways, you know, after you've been working together at a high level, for a long time, you know, there are questions and there's, you know, then you get the people saying, Oh, you sold out. I can't trust what you're saying anymore. And yada, yada, yada. So like in our case, like we really try to, you know, go into all of our partnerships, making sure that the people that we're working with have the capabilities to, to work with us and, you know, are potentially committed to doing long-term, you know, deals, you know, if we can get multi-year agreements with our partners, You know, we love that because there's assurances on our end uh, and there's assurances on their end, too, that we're not going to go leave and, you know, chase somebody else down that may pay us more money. Even if somebody comes knocking on our door and says, hey, we want you to, you know, we want to sponsor you for this whatever category of product and we're willing to give you more. Like, we're not always just going to say, "Okay, great. See you later. Person we've been working with for five or six or seven or eight years. Right. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a smaller, you know, group probably of, of people. But I mean, I guess we're like any business, right? We tailor our our sponsorship programs uh, based on the needs of the client, you know, and what what they can afford and what they think is an effective program for them to to reach the amount of people that they want to reach, right? right? Some of our our partners are, are larger than others, and they get more more for that, right? They get, whether it's more banner impressions or emails or social media posts or, um, inclusion in our show or whatever it is that we do, they just have a bigger footprint within our network than maybe somebody that, you know, can't afford that type of thing. And everybody I think understands that. Um, you know, and we're, you know, you, we, I I say we, meaning you and us, you know, are, are in a pretty fortunate position to be in this kind of digital, uh, space right now that everybody wants to be in right digital 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 it's kind of the hot thing people are getting away from tv they're getting away from print and digital's where everybody wants to be and in reality there's only only so many places to to put your money if you're a company kind of in the hunting industry or looking to advertise to hunters there's only so many platforms out there that have a decent reach um, you know, so fortunately for us, we have a fairly hot commodity that's in limited supply. So it's been it's been great for us. You know, we were fortunate enough to to start early and it was definitely difficult in those first few years uh, to kind of get things going. But, you know, as digital has increased and our platform has, has grown, it's been a lot better for us. Um, but kind of back to your point, you know, when it's time us to make a change of some sort in one way or another, it's definitely not a decision that's taken lightly. I mean, Todd and I have exhausting conversations sometimes about what we should do, what we can do, what we can't do, you know, how it affects, you know, our other partners, how it affects our teammates. You know, you got to remember, I've got a team of 20 plus people that film for our show. So anytime we make a sponsor change, that's 20 guys that have to stop using whatever product it was they were using and then start using something else. So, you know, that creates a lot of stress for them and for us. So we certainly don't take the idea of change very lightly. Um, And we've been very fortunate enough that I think the vast majority of people we work with are very pleased with what we do. So we've had very, very little turnover or change in Uh, our partnerships over the
0: years. Right, right. So it's kind of funny. Um, I was at the ATA show and this is a, this is kind of a dream scenario for someone or for someone in our position where let's, I'm going to just say it was an optics company who approached me and said, we want to sponsor your podcast. Now, this optics company is at the very high end of price and i told them straight up i don't see my demographic purchasing your optics based off price alone you know the quality's there it's great but i don't think you know my my demographic can relate to that price point so my question to you is how how does the demographic of the, you know, I guess the consumers of your content play in how you advertise or who you choose to advertise with?
1: Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it's gotta be a good fit. You know, if somebody comes and says, Hey, we want to advertise shopkins (laughs) to your (laughs) audience, like, all right, we, we know that going into that, that's something that's only going to last a very short period of time, because if they're, you know, good at what they do, they're not going to see the return on what we offer. And it's going to be kind of a one and done deal, and that's not what we want, you know. So we, yeah, sure, we've turned people away, and it's usually not a case of um, products that maybe aren't in this industry or whatever. But like sometimes, and Dan, you've been to the ATA enough times to know yeah. like some. There's sometimes there's just products that are that are junk, yep. that are destined to fail, and we get people that maybe you know, took a mortgage out on their house or dipped into their retirement fund to try to make this thing go. And they come and they want to spend a little bit of money with you. And we've always just kind of been like, look, this probably isn't the right fit for you. You know, we don't want to take your money, like no offense, but we don't want to take your money and then have you just not get what you are expecting to get in the end. So yeah, sure. We've, we've, we've turned people away to a certain degree, um, from, from that aspect. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, dude, it's a balancing act, right? I mean, you're you're a business. We're a business. I mean, money makes the world go round. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, you take their money and you let their ads run and you do your thing. And that, it is what it is. Right. You know, I think for the consumer out there, you know, who's always most concerned with this is, you know, consumers are getting smarter and smarter by the day. I mean, the amount of information that's online anymore that you can get is just prolific, right? Right. I mean, it's increasing literally by the second. So, you know, I think they're smart enough to sift through, you know, the good and the bad, you know, and the one thing that I try to tell everybody when I talk to them about like, you know, what it is we do, like ultimately we're, we're a platform and people pay us to help get their message out to potential consumers, right? It's still the consumer's responsibility to go research the company, research the product do all that type of stuff and don't just maybe buy it because Dan Johnson or Justin are told you to go buy it. Right? right. Right. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily do that and I don't expect other people to do. So what people are ultimately paying us for is, okay, let's say you've got a hundred thousand people that watch an episode of Bowhunter hunter die. We would like those hundred thousand people to see our product, see it in use, see our message, see that it works hopefully be exposed to it enough to influence their decision to to maybe go buy one right right? I mean that that that's kind of the whole thing like we're just kind of the messenger um the other thing that I tell people all the time is you know every product out there has got its pros and its cons right it doesn't matter what it is it's the most expensive thing or the least expensive thing right what I watch for now is you know you can definitely tell when somebody likes a product and they enjoy it you know it's just a more natural thing for them you know if you see somebody with a sponsor where they're not working as hard for them not pushing them as much maybe refraining from making a recommendation when somebody asks for one like you could generally pick up on how in tune that person is with any particular product um, and how hard they're pushing it and I generally look at how hard they're pushing it not as a factor of how much money those people are paying but genuinely, if they're a a decent person, like how much they like that company, that product, that brand, whatever it may be. Um, so I mean, it's usually fairly uh, easy to spot that kind of stuff. Right. You could spot when somebody's full of shit and just trying to sell you a product and when somebody's being genuine.
0: Right. Right. So one thing that I've noticed over the years, uh, you I had my first introduction into the hunting industry in 2006 and I've seen a lot, witnessed a lot, heard a lot since then and I'm I'm comparing now the hunting industry to uh, like other industries and and the the one that comes to mind is sports. So let's say, and I'm going to use a name that probably everybody knows, LeBron James. So let's say LeBron James makes a switch from Nike to Reebok just as an example. You know, you don't hear a lot of people calling him a sellout or a lot of, you know, because that's on a bigger scale. But what is it about the hunting industry that people are, it's almost like, a. Like, do they feel duped? Do they feel that uh, there's been a loyalty that's been... Um, like unfaithful we've been unfaithful to our content providers or what do you think the reason is why like this hunting community it takes that stuff so serious
1: i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that hunting uh is much more accessible maybe uh than like so something like basketball yeah sure it's widely accessible i can go to the local gym and play basketball but i know that I'm not LeBron James and I will never be a professional basketball player to any sort of caliber and a zero opportunity for me to get sponsorship. But I think a lot of times, you know, people look at other hunters and they say, well, I could do what that guy's doing. Right. So some of it's maybe like a, a, a jealousy factor, right. right? Because they're like, Oh man, I wish I was getting paid or I was getting free gear or whatever. Um, So there's there's this inherent jealousy and almost like this weird underlying angst against uh, people that are, you know, content providers or celebrities or whatever you want to call them. Right. And you hear it all the time, not just sponsorship based, but you hear it with like, oh, they could never kill a deer if they came to the farm and where I hunt and, and they're not that good of a hunter and this and that you hear a lot of these other things like outside of the, the sponsorship part of it. So I think there's this weird underlying layer of jealousy that people have, um, there and yeah, when somebody makes a, a change, I think the first thing they want to do is look for a reason, you know, to, to jump down their throats right. about it, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't, and I guess when I was young and had a lot more fire in me <laughs> and I was angry at the world, I kind of, you know, felt some of that stuff too. I mean, I remember to this day, you know, back when Drury's switched from Hoyt to PSE, like that was a huge thing. I mean, I grew up watching those guys shoot Hoyts forever. I mean, I, I bought a Hoyt at one point because those guys were, were shooting Hoyts and I don't necessarily think I felt deceived. I wasn't angry about it, but I I remember it being like a pretty, pretty large change, um, you know, just in the industry as a whole. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. I can't really put my finger in on it. Like, why people get so crabby if if they think we're they're being lied to? You know, I think that's that's maybe part of what it is because you hear a lot of the comments of like, oh, yesterday you said that this was the greatest product in the world, and you know, tomorrow you're going to say that something else the greatest product in the world, which is partially why I always try to, you know, whenever we talk about a product or or whatever. I try not to say that it's the greatest thing in the world because it's such a subjective thing. Like what's great to me isn't great to the next guy. And I realize that not every product is for everyone. You know, if I think a particular product is really good at doing something right, if I think Lone Wolf is awesome for being a run and gun, lightweight, quiet, packable, you know, setup, I'll pitch that. I'm not going to say it's the greatest stand in the world for (laughs) all for all occasions, for everybody. Right? Because let's face it, it's not. If you're a dude that likes hunting out of ladder stands, like, I want to bring my son with me on a hunt this fall, and he's not climbing up a set of lone wolf sticks at six years old. He just isn't. Right. So I'm going to go buy a ladder stand. I'm going to buy a double ladder stand, and we're going to hunt out of it this fall. And it's not going to be a lone wolf. Right. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, us as content providers, You know, just need to be careful in the way that we talk about things. Again, we're there to get the message out. Hey, this bow that I'm shooting weighs this much and it's this fast. And my experience with it has been this. And if you think you may want to buy one, go to your local dealer and check one out and see what you think for yourself. Right. Not like this is the greatest bow I've ever shot in my life guaranteed to kill booners go go get one and you could be like me like that's not the message that we want to send
0: right right if it wasn't for x product i couldn't have shot this deer
1: yeah yeah yeah. and oh man i i hate this when, when when video people do it and i've been guilty of it it's just like a slip of the tongue you know i can remember stan potts being like let me set this matthews down on this buck right here right i mean and it's like i've heard so many people do it so many times that like Sometimes I find myself doing it, right. you know, just subconsciously. I'm not, I'm not trying to do it, but then I, I watch my footage back and I'm like, "What the hell? I sound like a car salesman right. in, right. in this dang video." So sometimes it's just kind of a, a, subconscious slip of the tongue, and it's not somebody really trying to blow smoke up your ass.
0: Right. And that's one problem as a content provider that I have, and, and you used the, the example of Lone Wolf, so I'll, I'll use it too. So like for me, like. Man, I've been using Lone Wolf for a very long time. They're a partner of the podcast, and I believe very strongly in their product for what it is that, or how I hunt. So I I probably would pitch that particular uh, product with a little bit more passion because I've used it so long. I'm very passionate about it than, let's say, um, I don't know a prime. well you're
1: new, your new bow right yeah, I mean, yeah you just exactly got it. you haven't yep. shot anything with it yet you're not as heavily invested in it right so yeah you're gonna pitch the product that you know and that works for you
0: right i'll just pitch i'll pitch it a different way there, there's probably just going to be a little bit less passion in that pitch than there is with something that i don't see myself hunting without for many years to come you know what i mean Hmm. Yep. yeah
1: definitely so yeah
0: that, yeah go ahead so that, so that kind of brings up something completely different and it's it's passion right like sports fans have passion for their team but not for the the individual who is i guess getting paid by a sponsor right like they may love michael jordan but they don't necessarily love nike right they get it like people will buy shoes because michael jordan is wearing shoes but what is it uh, what is it about the hunting community that there's this this additional passion I feel there's the level of it is different or it's concentrated or or something where these like for me, I take hunting very seriously I take the harvesting of an animal very seriously, and I think do you feel that that has something to do with mixing something that you're passionate about with something that you know now you gotta I know there's money involved
1: sure of course you know and I think back to the sports thing you know a sports you know player a lot of people look at it as they had to earn earn their way right to being a professional sports person via you know a bunch of hard work and maybe some natural talent or whatever it is and they're making their money because they're getting paid by the team that they play for They're not necessarily making their money just through sponsorships. And I think there's a difference there, right, in the the hunting world is that, you know, the only way to make money in hunting is through advertising, sponsorships, partnerships, whatever you want to call it. It's all the the same thing. I mean, that's the only way to make money unless you're selling product. So I definitely, you know, again, I go back to kind of this jealousy thing. I think there's a lot of people out there that would love to make a, a living in the hunting industry and there's just not a lot of money to be made there's not a lot of spots and opportunities for for people to do that so yeah there's a little bit of jealousy there and because they are so passionate like like hunting is truly a lifestyle for a lot of people right i mean it's the thing we think about and do something related to every day you may be a golfer but you know you're not necessarily as passionate about golf maybe as we are about hunting yeah. right so i mean there's it's just it takes it to a whole nother level than some of these other recreations that are out there i mean people define themselves as a hunter like as who they are as as a person right you don't see a lot of people defining themselves as a softball player or right. as a golf like it doesn't their life doesn't revolve around and hunting is just way different you know maybe it's the the you know core of our human nature you know that that gives us this attraction to hunting and makes us so kind of passionate about it
0: do you think any of it has to do with we are killing a wild animal well sure
1: of course i mean i think that's the raw nature of it right yeah. i mean that's what appeals to it at our very base sense of being a, a an animal ourselves right so yeah i mean there's definitely a lot a lot of passion there
0: right so One thing that I've been able to, like before I started working with companies and signing these agreements and and, and having, you know, having advertising and pitching these products is being able to do my own research and do, you know, I don't know, do my own research, look for what best fits my needs and whatnot. And, you know, I try to do a good job of saying that to people. Um, but obviously, you have to make both sides happy, right? Um, but what what do you say to the people out there who are making those comments? They're they're the they're the first one to jump on their keyboard and call us a sellout. Uh, sure. I mean, are 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 they directly influenced by what we say? I mean, if I told them, "Hey, man, you got to pick this product up now," were they going to are they going to do it or what what message would you have for those people?
1: Sure. Well, I think there's two points here. You know, the message that I have to those people is usually I just try to to clarify whatever point it was that I was making at the time or whatever point they brought up and dispel any of those myths or misconceptions. Like I've been pretty open and honest or as open as, and honest as I can be. You know, most, if not all of our contracts have non-disclosures in them where we're not allowed to talk about certain things. Right? right. Um, and that's just to protect both sides. You find that in any business agreement. Um, so I say as much as I can, you know, within reason to try to help correct, uh, you know, those, those myths that that people seem to have out there to your second point. Do I think that those people who are, who are angry and crabby and, and yelling are influenced by our decision of like what we shoot or what we use? yes and no you know there's always a part of our subconscious that sees a product i mean my purpose for for doing using a product or whatever is to gain exposure for whatever that company is and if i've exposed that product to somebody whether they want to use it or not because i use it doesn't matter it's a moot point as long as they know that this brand and this product and what it is and how it works i've done my job i it's the company's Job to create awesome products uh, at a good price that people can afford that they're going to buy. Like, that's on them. Right. All I can do is put it in front of people, show them how it works, how I use it, you know, and let them make the decision from there. So, even if they're not going to buy it because Justin's using it or Dan's using it, we've still done our job if people are aware that, you know, Quest makes this bow and Matthews makes this bow. Like, that is my job to make you aware of what these products are what the features and benefits are and then we'll let you make the decision from there.
0: Right, right. So when so when someone says, let's say an advertiser says, hey man, you really need to check out this product. I like it. Uh, I think you'll like it too. Is there is there a way to decipher that code or is there something that the end user of our content and that the end the end consumer of that advertisement should know or look at or be aware of on how to see maybe see through a genuine advertisement um, compared to one that's just straight bullshit?
1: That's a tough one because it depends on who's selling it, right? I mean, first you got to kind of look at just who the person is, how long they've been doing it. Do they have a history of working with a multitude of different companies over the years? You know, um, you know. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to look at, and, and ultimately, like, some of it boils down to the, you know, the trustworthiness, I guess, of the individual. Right. Um, and then how hard they're trying to push it in your face. Right. You know, generally speaking, the harder somebody pushes something in your face, the less, you know, interested in it you become. Right. So, you know, most of our partners don't want us to be out there shouting their names from the hilltops and telling everybody in the world to, to use their product. They just want us to do what we do. Right. You know, just go use the product, show people how it works, tell us what you think, use it the way you normally would. Don't do anything different, you know, incorporate it in your, in your photos and in your videos where appropriate, don't, you know, have shit all over the place. It doesn't need to be there because people are going to see through that. So, you know, literally everybody we work with is like, that's what we want you to do. Now, certain partners need a little bit more TLC to be able to show their product or show their brand or talk about the value of it. Like some of the stuff's easy, right? Like when I go hunting, I'm always going to be using my bow. So people are going to see it, but they don't necessarily know what brand of string I have on my bow. So some of, you know, the partners that we work with, like it's a, you have to get creative in the way that we showcase their product and maybe talk about it. Um, But nobody wants that, you know, old, they don't want to be an infomercial, you know, nobody want they want to be entertained is what they want. You know, they don't want to feel like they're watching a commercial the whole time.
0: Right. So, and that's one thing I've kind of seen. And and trust me, there's still people out there who are doing the old way of advertisement. You know, the old advertising where it's like, hey, everybody, check this out. I got this bow and I killed this buck and I'm the greatest hunter because I have this bow. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah. But. I've see, slowly seen a transition. It's very slowly to where people are just talking about the product, the whether you know they're describing the category, the the specs, uh, whatever it is. Saying here's the price point, um, check it out, right? Yep, that seems to be almost better for both parties. Sure,
1: I I would agree with that. I think the consumer responds to it better. It's easier for the the person on our end because we don't feel like a, a a commercial pitch man you know we just you know we're talking about a product and telling people about it and they can go check it out for themselves the other thing that you're seeing too you know and this has really come from other industries and it's really filtered into the hunting industry in the last maybe eight years or so is is more of just the lifestyle yes type of advertising where it's like you know knowing that the product is good and it works great is one thing, but like you want to have kind of like a feeling when you are using that product, Mm -hmm. you're wearing that gear or holding that bow or using that tree stand. Like there's a feeling that comes with it. And that's a lot of the lifestyle stuff that you're seeing. So again, it's not so much in your face, like buy this product because it's the lightest, strongest, quietest, fastest, whatever. It's more of a, just depicting people using it and, giving them this feeling where it's like, dude, I, I don't know about you, but like back to the lone wolf thing, like I get a feeling when I'm grabbing a stand and a set of sticks to go on a hunt that you just like, you're like, this is badass. This is awesome gear. And
0: it's a good feeling to have.
1: And I think, you know, advertising is definitely going more in that direction as well.
0: Right. And I, and, and I'm not a, I'm not an advertising specialist by any means, but at the same time i get there there's certain things i can relate to from a kind of a lifestyle brand uh, or a the feeling that you're talking about but there's other times when i think it's it almost goes too far to that side and sure. it's almost like yeah, yeah. unless you like you, how do i put this i'll just say it the way it's coming into my brain and that is you're not cool unless you have this product you know what I mean? Sure. Not that sure. it's opposite of, Hey, if you want to kill a big buck, you need to use this product. It's more along the lines. Like if you're not using this product, you're really not that cool.
1: It's a status symbol. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, and, and if you're a company that's made a product and it's become a status symbol, dude, good for you. Cause that's right. probably one of the hardest damn things to do. Right. You know, and I've talked about this before. I don't know if it was with you or somebody else, but like, you know, it, it's that way. You know, in every industry, right? I, and I don't golf, but I assume anyways that if I was to go golfing and walk into a golf course, there's a certain set of clubs or a certain ball that some people use that is a status symbol. That you look at that guy and you're like, oh shit, he's got the most expensive, most badass golf clubs that they're that are made. It doesn't necessarily mean that guy's a better golfer. Right. No. And I know it's like it's that way. I used to play a lot of uh, recreational softball. Right. And it's that way with bats. You know, you <laughs> see somebody walk up there and they got a four hundred dollar, five hundred dollar bat. You're like, oh, shit, man, look at that guy. He's got the best bat. He's right? serious. And yeah. He's serious about what he does. And the hunting industry is no different. And I've talked about this like with. With women's purses, right? You know, if you got a freaking Louis Vuitton purse, it doesn't hold anything any better than any other purse does, right? But it's a status symbol, right? Mm -hmm. Women like walking around and being like, check out my purse. Guys are no different, and we like to pretend we are, but we're not. You know, we want to, hey, check out my badass truck that's super jacked up and got a huge exhaust and a bunch of stickers all over it. I mean, it's all a big dog and pony show, but if you've got a freaking product, that becomes that kind of icon and that standard of like, you're cool. If you use this, like you've done a hell of a job at, at a making a good product that people can get behind and be branding it to the point where like you are the, the in cool thing to have. Cause that's like the pinnacle of, you know, as a product developer, like that's what you want, man.
0: Right. Right. And that, that advertising, advertising budget to get to that point, is astronomical.
1: Sure. Yeah, you can buy your way to that point. Yeah. Of course. You know, it's not all about like you have to have a good product in order to sustain it for the long term. Right. But getting there, like, yeah, you can you can buy your way into that. Right. I mean, I see it happening. I mean, honestly, like right now I, I did an Instagram thing the other day. Uh, I was cooking some shrimp on my like broke ass Weber grill. And I was like, and I was like, I feel like I'm the only dude in the world without a Traeger grill right, right. Now. Like absolutely. they are doing it. They are absolutely in the midst of doing this right now. If you right. want to be cool and post cool photos of the food that you're cooking, you better be cooking it on a Traeger or you're just not cool.
0: Right. You know, I mean the other brands and just, just, you know, last year or however long ago it was Yeti. Right. And, and, you know, and it's still a status
1: symbol, dude. I mean, I was at my son's t-ball game last night and there's, you know, women walking around with Yeti bags that are 200 some dollars to carry their kids, you know, t-ball gear in and everybody's, you know, got their tumblers and, you know, I mean, it is 100% a status symbol. You know, it's a great product too. I mean, it's definitely a very high quality product, but they've reached that pinnacle of being, the, the the measure by which all other products in that category are judged.
0: Do you think that companies take advantage of that to, uh, you know as soon as they hit that status they're charging an extra portion of that product. They're increasing their price. I don't think so. I don't think you don't they
1: think so? I think a lot of these companies start with super high prices and that's what gives them the allure, right? We have this weird thing where we believe that the more expensive a product is the better it is right? right so if you come out with a high-end product even if it's affordable to manufacture and you could sell it for the same price as a mid-level product people aren't going to look at it the same as a high-end product right. unless it's got a high-end price right? right so i think it's it's a it's the other way around i think you start with a high price then people are like oh man that thing cost a bunch of money it must be really good. It must be a lot better than everything else. And then it kind of helps build that brand from there. Right. So, but I mean, like in Yeti's case, they've dropped their prices on almost everything they make, you know, on all their coolers here pretty recently, you know, to try to, you know, maybe be a little bit more competitive. So yeah, I mean, that's a, it's, it's an interesting marketing pricing kind of weird world that I don't even fully understand
0: myself. Right. Right. And it's, it's just, it's funny how when you think about it too, the hunting industry is very small, right? There's yes. not there's not a lot of compared to other other categories or markets, let's say like sports, sure. right? There's thousands and thousands of brands. When in you know, in the hunting industry, there's probably under hundreds of brands in a sure. in a specific category. So when you know, when when you go to these trade shows, whether it's the Iowa Deer Classic or the ATA show, people are repping their brands hardcore. It's like they walk around in like gangs. Yep. And and everybody's passionate about it.
1: That's the back to the passion thing, right? You know, I think you saw this, uh, you know, when rage first came on the market, dude, I mean, they spent a pile of money advertising, you know, and they bought, you know, a huge share of the market. And, Granted, they've got a good product. If it didn't work, if it didn't kill deer effectively, people wouldn't use it. Right. You know, they wouldn't be able to sustain it. But yeah, they spent a lot of money to get to where they're at today. And now they're the, the juggernaut uh, in the broadhead category, you know. But I, I, I will say this, like, when it comes to what we do in in selling advertising sponsorships partnerships is kind of the new thing like sponsorships is out right there's just kind of like negative connotation with a sponsor but if they're a partner okay then great whatever it's all the same thing doesn't matter what you call it you know the common misconception is that you leave to go get more money somewhere else i right. will say i think in the history of us doing this for almost a decade now that has never once been the case. Right. Uh, we have never terminated an agreement with a partner simply because somebody else was paying us more money. There are always other factors at play. Right. 1,000% um, there always are. The other thing is what a lot of people don't understand. In most advertising contracts, we put in the first right of refusal for that partner. So at the end of their contract, they have the opportunity to renew it uh, at a negotiated rate, whatever that yep. rate is, whether it's yep. the same or it's gone up based on our performance before we can just you know dump them and go somebody else somewhere else. Right. Right? right. And that's put there so that the sponsor or the partner knows that you know we're invested in you and your company and we believe in you and and we enjoy working together and we don't want to leave to go get more money.
0: I have that. Um, I have that same thing. And I even give returning uh, returning partners additional discounts on rates sure of
1: course yeah i would say there has been a multitude of instances where we have you know had to reduce the amount of money we're getting paid from a partner for one reason or another because we didn't want to make a switch we could have you know we could have said ah you know what we'll just go get somebody else for the same or more but you're so heavily invested in that company in their brand and their products you use it, you like it, you don't want to leave. So sometimes you're willing to make some concessions, you know, maybe take a little bit less money. And, and so much of that is based on like their performance as a company. Like people have to recognize, like these companies only have so much money to spend. Right. And if they have a if they have a down year, you know, the archery industry as a whole has been down the last couple of years. I think three years in a row now we're seeing double-digit you know losses almost across the board. So people are cutting advertising budgets. So when somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, dude, my advertising budget is literally," half of what it was last year, what do you, what do you do? Right? right. You either say, okay, we'll restructure your agreement to make it more agreeable for you. Or you flip them the bird and say, good luck. And you go try to find somebody to replace them, which isn't as easy as everybody thinks. Right. You know? Right. Um, and so much of what we do is based on relationships, you know, at companies and there's all this people moving around between businesses, there's companies that are getting bought out. So, you know, when you see a change, it's not just because of money, like we may be working with somebody for five, six, seven, eight years, that company gets bought out, they get absorbed by a bigger, you know, investment firm who decides, yeah, we're going to cut you, right? I mean, it's the equivalent of of getting fired. So then at that point, you got to go out and get a new job. Yep. So when you get a new job and then people are yelling at you that,
0: you know, you sold out or you,
1: you swish and it's like, dude, we, we, they, they fired us. They
0: don't yep. want to work with us anymore. What, what are we supposed to do? Yep. Similar to the example I gave with the bows this year, right? So sure. then, there, then there comes a point and I'm just about to reach that point um, where like I want to – I would love to do what I'm doing full time and there's some risk involved in that. Uh, because if I have X, you know, number, you know, X dollar amount coming in, uh, I need to support myself and my family and run the business based off that income. Then something yep. changes. Now I have to make a decision. This is all hypothetical, of course. Uh, the, the, the person has to make the decision. Do I go back and get a, uh, another job or do I go out and find whoever's willing to give me money? Because I want to support, you know, I need to support not only this business because, you know, just like you, you have a stable of camera guys that you have to pay. You have fees associated with, you know, website hosting and all, you know, all everything, right? There's fees with any business. So there, there comes a time also where I either... You know, if I was to remain 100% loyal to a brand throughout the entire existence of of let's say the Sportsman's Nation, I could and I was never to you going to use a a, a brand that was a how do I put this uh, a direct uh, what's the word I'm looking for Justin uh, in competition there we go competitor a, sure. yeah competitor of the other brand uh, or in in that same category of product and shutting down Sportsman's Nation altogether, man, I think that people would be pissed that I didn't do it because of the content that is being put out, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, I, dude, it's a it's a slippery slope, and it's a scary situation, you know, as a small, self-employed business owner, having to make those decisions, uh, you know, on what's the right thing to do, because at the end of the day, it's not just, you know... Mm-hmm. the the podcast and everything else like you're you need to put food on the table right you got doctor bills to pay you got a mortgage to pay so i mean there's definitely business decisions you know to be made there and you know sometimes a change is required you know i think we're we're fortunate enough to you know have other businesses that that pay quite a you know bit of our income you know and we've been able to grow what we do at bowhunting.com and bowhunter die big enough to where you know we do have a little bit of weight that we could throw around with, with some of our partners or potential partners, um, you know, which makes things a little bit easier, I guess, from our perspective, it still isn't fun. None of this is enjoyable. Like the business side of what we do sucks. Uh, it's the least enjoyable thing to have to sit down and negotiate pricing and talk about contracts and dollars and cents and, in one year, two year, three year deals, and all this other jazz, um, you know, it, it sucks. It definitely can sap some of the fun out of what we do. But fortunately, you know, the way we've kind of structured our stuff is, you know, most of our contract renewals happen around the same time within let's say a two month, three month period. So once we're outside of that three month period and everything's set and the ship is sailing, it's pretty smooth from there. And then we can actually sit back and enjoy creating content. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely, man. So one of the last questions I have um, for you is, and I think I've already kind of alluded to, you know, do your own research type of thing. But for for the people out there who may be, you know, may take uh, something like this personal, how would you recommend going about researching, uh, a new product or let's say, Hey, I need a new pair of binoculars. How do I go about finding the pair of binoculars that is the best for me? Uh, Google man. does not
1: that what we all do anymore? Yep. Right. I mean, we read content, uh, you know, reviews are huge. You know, you gotta be careful with reviews. Cause a lot of times they're, um, from people that have like, a lot of companies will do this, like, hey, if you bought a product from us, come back and leave a review of it, and you'll be entered to win a free some other product. So, you know, they're asking people, like, enticing them to leave reviews. So, you got to be careful for that. Amazon's got a problem with a lot of like fake reviews from manufacturers. Yeah. Um, so you just have to be leery there. I mean, just check multiple sources. Um, ask your friends. You know, I mean, we all have you know followings on social media, whether you're us or you're anyone else you know, put a post up there, you're going to get recommendations. You can join plenty of Facebook groups. I mean, Bowhunter Dye has a Facebook group with like 30 or 40,000 members. If you were to go in there and be like, hey guys, looking for a new set of binoculars, what is everybody using and what do you think? You're going to get opinions from a bunch of different people. Uh, If you say, hey, I'm looking at this specific brand and this specific model and magnification, you're probably going to get people that have had experience with it that are willing to, to, you know, lend their opinion. So there's plenty of places to, to get information from. I still go back to the fact that like our job is to just make you aware that this brand and this product is out there. These are the features and benefits you go ask your friends, do your research, do whatever, you know, if you want to use it because we're using it, I think that's awesome. You know, I think that speaking for us, we're very, very fortunate to work with, I think every single one of my partners is a brand that I would stand up and tell anybody in the world I am confident in using their product, and it works, and it's a good value, and it's awesome. We don't have anybody on board with us Same right here. now that, that I don't feel that way about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if people want to use it because we use it, I think that's awesome. Uh, I I appreciate that. I love when I see guys submit photos for our, our trophy photo, like contest that we have. And I see that they literally look like they could step in and be one of our team members tomorrow. They're like using all the same gear we use and everything. I think that's awesome. I really do. Yeah. Uh, and it makes me feel good about what we're doing uh, here. But I mean, if somebody sends in a picture and they're not using a Matthews bow, I don't I don't think any less of them, you know, there's a lot of great bows out there. So, you know, it is
0: what it is. Amen, brother. And I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm gonna end this podcast with a non-topic related story. Um, so basically, the the podcast is over. Uh, to all those uh, who are listening, I just want to end it with a, a kind of a funny story um, <laughs> because you know it's my podcast and uh, I don't really have any uh, anywhere else to share this story. <laughs> all right. So uh, before before we end it, is there anything else you would want to say on the topic of? the the business of co- like providing content and um, advertising and partnerships. Sure. Uh,
1: yeah. Just to sum up what we talked about. Number one, if there is a change somewhere, don't just assume that somebody paid somebody more money to right. say something because that 99% of the time is not the case. Number two, you know, always do your, do your due diligence. Be a smart consumer. Research products before you go buy them. Don't necessarily just take somebody's word for it, whether it's mine or anybody else. Um, and just enjoy, enjoy the content that's being created. We're all doing this because we enjoy hunting and yeah, we want to make a little bit of money out of it to try to make a living and get through life, you know, so don't look at anybody that's doing this in a negative connotation. Just enjoy the content that they're putting out. Appreciate the hard work and effort that everybody's putting into this and, uh, just go hunt, go kill stuff.
0: Amen. Amen. So this is the part of the podcast where you guys can leave now if you want. <laughs> Everybody leave. Adults only in the room. It's not even that bad of a story. So, okay, so I have this little routine that I do. Uh, instead of like going and eating lunch in a cafeteria, i i go to um, I go to the gym and I work. I, you know, I try to do some. I try to work out or whatever. That's good. Yeah, good try for to you. try to get uh, get ready for this elk hunt I got coming up in September. And so this was this was yesterday. No, yesterday was Wednesday. So this was Tuesday. And so I walk out of the bathroom and I don't I always do this. I, I put uh, hand sanitizer on my hands, I go wipe my hands down real you know real good, and then I go work out. Well, that day I put hand sanitizer on. I walked over to where the dumbbells were at and something happened and I had to rub my eyes I was rubbing my eyes and I got hand sanitizer in my like in my eyes and it started to burn right so I was just doing a lot of blinking I was just doing like a lot of this blinking and I was looking at a guy He was looking at me really weird and I was blinking and trying to get and rubbing my eyes and trying to you know whatever get the water the tears to wash the alcohol out so I do I do some exercises I go to a different part of the gym do some more exercises come back and that same guy's over there and he's looking at me he's like almost trying to um, avoid me and I look in the mirror and I then I look over at what his what his tank top said and his tank top said blink if you want me and <laughs> <laughs> so here's this guy just going bananas like blinking really hard like almost looking right at this guy i don't know that that was probably a horrible story <laughs> no, but he
1: thought you wanted
0: him i i guess i guess but maybe he didn't
1: want you no, he I don't. was uh, kind of mortified looking yeah. maybe he wanted he probably wanted chicks to blink yeah. at him yeah Ch- not not some red beard dude <laughs> look, looking at him i could i could empathize with that fella uh, just thought I'd tell that story.
0: It's a good story. <laughs> good I have
1: one. I, I'm going to leave you with one thing. Okay. As we talk about selling out, and this is how you know you've made it in life when you truly are selling out to the best degree. Okay. So uh, are you at all familiar with the band Asking Alexandria? Do you know who they are nope, at all? No, I, I do no. not. Okay. Okay, so they're uh, they're kind of like a heavy metal band. They're they're pretty heavy. They're uh, a bunch of guys from from uh, the UK. Okay. So the lead singer of the band um, is pretty active on social media. He's uh, he's getting really big into like kind of the gun culture now. So he's kind of like hanging out with the guys at Black Rifle Coffee Company and some of their apparel businesses and whatnot. Though so I follow them on social media. I'm a I'm a big fan. I like. Kind of heavy music. And uh my my son, through osmosis, uh has been you know exposed to all this heavy metal music, much to the dismay of my wife. And he likes to take the iPad and just go to, to iTunes and just listen to Asking Alexandria like over and over and over again. And my wife absolutely hates it. She's like a you know <laughs> pop FM type person, right? So, anyways, the lead singer of Asking Alexandria. Uh, and, and a lot of other people. He's not the only one that does this. They basically they use this tool. I believe it's called BookCameo.com, where you can go look up like other you know, celebrities, quote unquote, and you essentially pay them a fee, and they will record like a personalized video or greeting or whatever, saying basically whatever you want them to say, uh, and then okay. and then you can do something with it, right? So a couple years ago, I did one of these as a joke. Uh, if you remember the the show. Lizard Lick Towing <laughs> that used to be on, <laughs> they were doing, like, Valentine's Day greetings or something. And I paid for them to do one for my wife because she hated the show when it was on. And I would always watch it because I thought it was hilarious. So, uh, anyways, I, uh, I, I paid the lead singer of Asking Alexandra $25 to literally film, like, a 15-second video clip of him, like, saying happy birthday to my son, whose birthday is, this, is actually tomorrow. And I'm going to show it to him on his birthday. And I'm sure he's going to think it's like the greatest thing ever. But just think (laughs) about that, right? Like somebody's like, it's insane. Like, it's just crazy. It's probably the biggest waste of $25 I've ever spent in my life. But I think he's going to like it. And I figured I can either go buy him another Nerf gun that he's just going to destroy at some point. Or I can get him this video because he's like obsessed with these guys. And he'll probably watch it a million times. But like you want to talk about selling out, like that's the pinnacle. Dude, if somebody would just pay me, how many of those could I record in an hour? I could probably record 30 of them in an hour right. at 25 bucks a clip. Right. Like that's 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 pretty good. So that's my last story about selling out. I'm sure my wife's gonna love the video, and I show it to her tonight.
0: I think someday, as I get older and maybe closer to retirement, I'll probably sell out. Why not? Why not?
1: But you have to be like popular enough to really sell out. Right, That's right. the thing. Like I want to sell out. Like, come on, somebody come pay me a bunch of money to be a sellout. Right. It would be cool. not as funny in it as I thought there was going to be.
0: I think it would be cool to be the kind of celebrity who could walk, you know, and not necessarily on a, a nationwide scale, but on a local scale to where like I could walk into my local bar and they'd give me free Bush lights. Oh, that'd be pretty sweet. So,
1: that You just need to be in like a local band then, like a cover band. You don't even have to play your own music. Okay. You can get popular enough that way to be able to sell out and get free beers at the
0: bar. Well, I, I suck at playing instruments, so I got to think of something else. And you sing. <laughs> I suck at singing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a, really good I, at having nine fingers. That's about it.
1: Oh, I don't know if anybody will... <laughs> pay you for that unless you find like a prosthetic finger company and you could be their spokesperson so there's a company around here in the chicagoland area that does uh i guess they must do like hair implants or transplants or something i don't know what whatever they do it's involving like putting hair back on your head if you're bald and like brian urlacher is their their big spokesperson so when you drive down the highways around here there's huge billboards all over the place of brian urlacher but he's got hair now and it says like you know Brian Urlacher came to the whatever Chicago hair Institute or whatever the hell it's called. Oh, and uh, so I was like, sweet, man. He'd like totally sold. That would be selling out right to be the spokesperson for the, the
0: hair rejuvenation place. Amen. Amen. Well,
1: Here what you do you go.
0: What do you say we call it quits? Sounds good. I'm going to go to the gym. All right, man. We will talk to you later. Later. Huge shout out to Mr. Justin Czar for coming on the podcast tonight and chatting with us. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast i really appreciate it hopefully you are getting enjoyment hopefully you are getting maybe a little bit of an education out of this keep an eye out for the nine finger chronicles vlog episode number one is coming very soon Um, i actually just have to finish editing it and uh, then i will be launching it on youtube and on facebook so keep an eye out for that Also, huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, and Ozonix, man. Without those companies, this would not be happening, so please go out and support those companies, and uh, a lot of those companies have uh, nine-finger discounts, so keep an eye out for that. Now, social media. Man, as always, you know, if you like this podcast, follow us on social media, not only Sportsman's Nation and Nine Finger Chronicles, Facebook and Instagram, but all of the podcasts that are on the Sportsman's Nation. Keep an eye out for awesome new vlogs coming from the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Southern Ground podcast as well. I think that's about it, man. Uh, be nice to each other be kind to each other Um, if you haven't I don't know I'm I'm just in like a really good mood tonight uh, because I got to go out and enjoy mother nature today it wasn't so brutally hot Um, I actually kind of an off story but i was kind of sneaking up on this doe today just to see if i could get within shooting range of her i got within shooting range of her probably about 20 yards she didn't have a clue i was there and um so i just leaned up against a tree i didn't i wasn't even crouching in the weeds; just leaned up against the tree and i watched this doe feed and just observed her movement and her body language how she reacted to different noises and just observed her and that, that right there is freaking awesome. When, when you get the opportunity to be in their world and watch a deer completely relaxed, you know, hopefully I can take away something from that encounter, even though it's not the hunting season, uh, how she used the wind, right? How she because this was a mature doe so how she used the wind how she had her um, body positioned you know how she was eating and and scanning the whole time just kind of catching them in that relaxed state Uh, a lot of times during the hunting season you don't really get to have encounters like that so uh, i'm glad i did and then last but not least guys it is getting close to tree stand hunting season hunting season tree stand hanging season so with that said If you're going to be in a tree hanging a tree stand, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.